Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast for the first Sunday in Lent in year A. Ash Wednesday began a new series called Our Greatest Needs, and today we continue that series, or perhaps if you preached on something special on Ash Wednesday, you're starting it today. Our Greatest Needs uh, points us to identifying uh, the importance of identifying our greatest problems, and when we see that our greatest problem is this lack of fellowship with God because of sin, then we can see how God has provided the solution to our greatest problem and met our greatest need in our Savior Jesus. So we'll be thinking about that as we go along in our Lenten Sunday series uh, over the next several weeks. Let me introduce our participants. I'm John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. With us for this season, Pastor Joel Heckendorf from Light of the Valleys Lutheran Church in uh, the Reno, Nevada area, and Pastor John Scharf from Abiding Grace Lutheran Church in Covington, Georgia. And with us today is Professor Joel Russo from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. Thank you all for serving today. Well, Joel Heckendorf, let's start out with you. Could you say a few words about the theme for this Sunday, Our Greatest Need, A Champion for the Defeated? Sure. Thanks, John. Just, uh, I guess, the two aspects of that theme, maybe looking at the second half first is defeated, is to understand, again, our need for a champion. And that's maybe not always so so popular of a thought. So you, you definitely have to uh, spend some time and, and see my own shortcomings, my own sin. But then that word champion is such a rich word. I always think of this time of the year too. Obviously there's, there's many things that are, are vying for championships, but um, you know, you think of high school basketball games or you think of March madness and you, you get all these pictures of a champion uh, of someone just hoisting a trophy over their heads, but this champion dare not be put into that same category that this is more than just defeating a game. This is defeating the devil himself. This is uh, winning heaven for us. So, so the, the depth of that, of that word champion is something that I, I think will be worth really mining as we, as we talk about the, the total victory of our Savior Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the defeat that we experience, but the champion that our Savior is in uh, the, all the ways that we need. Uh, John Scharf, let's go to you next. We'll be focusing on the gospel for our text this week, but there are some obvious connections between the gospel and the first and second readings. Uh, could you talk a little bit about those readings to kind of set the stage for our discussion of Matthew 4? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, John. The uh... The theme of this week, I mean, these readings, this is one of those where on the scripture committee, you know, putting together the, the lectionary for the hymnal, um, there didn't have to be a whole lot of discussion on this one. Uh, they just they just fit so beautifully together. Uh, you know, so um, the, the first reading, a little bit different from what was in, in uh, the previous lectionary, just in the selection of verses, but otherwise... You've got that, that first reading where um, we see the, the battle as we, humanity, loses. Um, we, Satan tempted and, and we lost. We, needed, uh, we need a champion 
uh, for the defeated because we have lost. We need someone to, to win in our place. So, so that really sets the scene for it. The psalm reminds us that it's God who is our champion, our refuge and strength, no matter how fierce the battle. Uh, his is the power we rely on. You know, the, the gospel, our sermon text, shows the, the battle play out between uh, the champion of sin, so to speak, and God's champion. And then as God leads his champion out into the wilderness to do battle. Uh, so we get to talk about how, how brutal the battle is as we get into the text using some of the same temptations that Satan used against Adam and Eve, uh, you know, being distrust, distrustful, uh, being presumptive, being disloyal. Uh, and, and then in the epistle reading, the inspired apostle Paul gives us that play-by-play -play color commentary on the battle, describing the loss for humankind uh, in Adam and the victory that Christ won through what we witnessed in the gospel today. You know, through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Uh, this is our champion who is winning in our stead for our benefit, and, and that victory is truly ours. So uh, looking at that, that same picture from three sides uh, to a nice set of readings this week. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, let's turn to the sermon text for, the week, for this week, Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Uh, Joel Russo, with that kind of backdrop in mind that John provided for us, what are some points that you would like to highlight in this text? I was excited that uh, anytime you have a text that comes up in another of the Synoptic Gospels, that you can always do a text comparison. And so I did a comparison to Luke chapter 4, and, and so sometimes you try to figure out what, what does Matthew emphasize uh, that maybe Mark or Luke don't. Uh, so I did a comparison with Luke's Gospel and you know, a couple of little, little things that I noted that may jump out a little bit. Uh, the order of the temptations is a little bit different. Uh, so that was something I noted. Uh, another thing is, is just the, the terms that Matthew uses for the devil. So he refers to him as the devil. He refers to him as the tempter. And then Jesus' words of, um, he calls him Satan at the end. He's the only one that does that. Um, I know that sometimes in sermons, you maybe can emphasize what slanderer or adversary and, and kind of jump with those. Uh, so that was something I noted. Uh, comparisons. Uh, both of them have uh, the, if you are the son of God in, in the same temptation. So Matthew has it in two of the temptations and so does Luke. And at some point I want, want the other guys to comment on kind of your take on what, what is Satan going after there when he says, if you are the son of God, is it, uh, you know, some, some would say, too, that is it taking Jesus' position as God and saying, well, use it for your own advantage rather than to serve God's purposes. We'll maybe get into that later on. Uh, emphases that you see in the Greek text would be the, the grapti, uh, comes up four times, three by Jesus and one by Satan. So it turns out he knows how to quote scripture, too, and, and twist it to his own, own purposes. Uh, being a guy who, who uh, works in the systematic department here, I went to our dog notes and looked up every reference uh, to the text uh, where Matthew would come up, Mark comes up, Luke comes up, just to see what points were emphasized based on this um, in our dog notes. And a couple that kind of, not I shouldn't say surprised me, but jumped out to me. Um, first of all, you have the mention of the angels ministering at the end. So that, that almost is bookended on Jesus' ministry. So the angels minister to him after this temptation they also do so in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, so that was something I, I thought was kind of unique. 
uh, our dog notes actually mention this in connection with the Holy Spirit's divinity so that he has personal actions and that he is in the work of redemption. And the context in which it was used was how Jesus is led uh, by the spirit to, to the battlefield. And, and I, I don't know, I think that's something maybe you could run with if, if you're looking for a gospel hook or connection at some point of how the, the spirit, of course, equips us with the victory that we have in Jesus, but he also leads us through the battlefield with the, the inspired word and the victory we have in our savior. Um, I, I said enough already. I, those were just a few things that kind of jumped out at me textually. Great. That's uh, good f- to get the ball rolling for our discussion. Um, John and Joel, I'll open it up to you guys. Any responses uh, to what Joel has offered and, and his initial thoughts there or uh, want to continue on with some of your observations in the text? Uh, Joel Peckendorf? Not so much the, the immediate text that was referenced, but even the context of, of coming right after the baptism of Jesus in Matthew 3, I, I think to show that contrast uh, would have some value. I, I just have a quote. I don't know exactly where I got. looks like it's from Walther, uh, God granted, but he said, after the heavens opened up above Christ, hell opened up underneath him with all of its power. And, and that contrast that you see him, you know, one moment in Matthew 3, just this is my son whom I love. And now this is what that son whom, whom he loves is going through is, is quite the contrast. So it might be worth bringing in there that, that transition of Matthew 3 to Matthew 4. Right. John? And, and I think that that plays in with what Joel Russo was asking about on the uh, – uh, if you are the son of God, you know, there had just been this powerful demonstration. You are the son of God. And now uh, Satan comes in. Shouldn't it look a little different? If, if you're the son of God, uh, why don't you just do this? Um, you know, leading into that, that first temptation of, of saying, well, um, maybe, uh, maybe God doesn't have my best interest in mind, you know, and again, tying it back to the the Adam and Eve uh, temptation. Uh, if you're the son of God, go ahead and do this instead of um, the son of God wants to listen to God's will. Uh, and then with the next one, you know, if you're the son of God, uh, throw yourself down. Um, of course, God's going to take care of you. Um, so going from either you're going to be the, the disobedient son or the um, uh, presumptuous son, um, and then he goes to the, the third one, the, the disloyal son. Uh, I think that, yeah, that, that's a powerful thing when you see, when you see the, the scope of the battle, you know, uh, zooming out. Uh, these aren't just individual, here, do this or don't do this. But uh, this is how you should see life. This is how you should see uh, reality happening. Right. I tend to think in terms of... Uh... And I don't know if I would use the terminology in a sermon, probably not, because there's not time to delve into it, but theology of glory versus theology of the cross type of questions. You know, if if you are the son of God, um, yeah, don't you deserve better than this? Uh, Shouldn't things be going better than this? Uh, Shouldn't you be more obviously blessed? Um, Shouldn't you feel more fulfilled? Uh, Those types of temptations. Um, 
or shouldn't you be entitled to take the easy way out um, rather than go down the hard road of the cross following the Father's will? So I've brought out those type of thoughts before too. John? And I think, you know, that kind of slides into what we're looking at with the malady. I mean, you could do a lot of maladies in this text, right? Each of those individual temptations, I could go, yeah, Satan's gotten me on that one too. But I think the the bigger one, especially in the context of, of this champion idea, is seeing the reality of, of who Jesus is and who we are. Um, you know, we already have the victory that, that he's won for us. His baptism declared him to be the son of God. Our baptisms declare us to be God's victorious children. Um, and so then the, the problem is not seeing the victory and trying to cause it by, by action, by what I do, instead of uh, trusting in what God has done. You know, so uh, Jesus didn't need to go against God's will to make bread because he was the son of God and God was sustaining him. Um, he, he didn't need to test whether the angels would catch him because he knew who he was. Uh, he didn't need to take the shortcut and uh, uh, bow down to Satan uh, because he knows that all authority is his. Um, and so it's, it's you know, the, that temptation for us to, to not see the reality and to act um, like I got to do something to, to make this happen. Yeah. Uh, excellent thoughts. Joel or Joel, uh, any further thoughts on identifying a malady? Um, John's kind of got us thinking about that possibility, losing sight of the reality uh, of who we are. Anything to, to add to that or a little different direction, perhaps? Uh, Joel Heckendorf? Yeah. I like that direction of, of not understanding or not thinking about the reality of, of who you are. I don't know if our stress would always, it doesn't always have to be, now you have to do something but it might just be shaking the fist at God and say, Hey, mm -hmm. if I am a son of God, why am I faced with this temptation? If I am a son, if I am a child of God, um, why am I hungry? If I am a child of God, you know, so it's, it's, it's that whole God should be the vending machine in the sky type thing that we often look for and, and the prosperity gospel that we look for so it's maybe not something i always have to do but just anger at god for putting me in these positions of life yeah great joel russo yeah just a, along the same lines of just i dug into the deuteronomy context that jesus quotes a little bit and his uh, one response is what deuteronomy six sixteen, you know don't put the lord your god to the test as they did at um, massa and meribah and if you go back to exodus 17 and study that uh, the people were hungry <laughs> or thirsty, excuse me, in that, that context. And one of the questions they asked is, is God with us or not? And, and it fits into all that we're talking about of, you know, if, if God is really with us, then why do we have these hardships and why isn't life easier? And I think as John said, there's a lot you can preach with the malady in this text. For sure. Yeah. I've always found it fascinating too, that uh, Deuteronomy is the go-to place for Jesus to quote, you know, um, uh, probably not the first place I would have thought of uh, to go for memorable scripture verses, but um, yeah, but when you look into the context there, it is so fitting um, uh, the, the trials that Israel was going through and, and what they were facing. And then of course the, 
man will not live on bread alone. What a perfect, uh, perfect response to, to Satan's temptation there. Um, how about, um, th- this may be obvious, but sp- specific gospel uh, themes or images that you would bring out in a sermon on this text? Sure. John, yeah, you go first? Sure. You know, that uh, I, th- I think specific gospel, we see Jesus obeying perfectly in my place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where I've failed, uh, he is that perfect uh, child of God. Uh, my relationship with God isn't dependent on my obedience, uh, but on the obedience that Jesus has achieved. Uh, and I have that relationship with him. It's already there, um, you know, seeing who I really am uh, through baptism, through God's promises. Um, Joel Heckendorf? I think a uh, secondary to what Jesus has done for us is, is piggybacking on what we said earlier, you know, the angels came and attended him. Uh, and then you, you also have the Psalm uh, being quoted there that the, the angels attending to us as we go through life um, would be a secondary comfort, um, you know, that, that you're safe. Obviously it's not the on par with the, active obedience of what Jesus did here, but also to have that you're not on an island um, is, is kind of a neat, neat process maybe to, to bring forth. Yeah, yeah. Joel Russo? It ran across a, a Luther quote, and he, he, had, he had something interesting to say on this, and, and just that um, he goes, when you're battling against the devil, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, you don't need a lengthy disputation. He says, but just a brief reply, say, I'm a Christian of the same flesh and blood as Christ, the son of God, settle your account with him, uh, spoken to the devil. And, and I thought, you know, just even we were talking about that phrase before, if you are the son of God, Jesus goes straight from his baptism into the desert. Um, that doesn't our baptism equip us for this, that we're clothed in Christ's perfection, his perfect obedience. And um, even that the hymn I'm baptized into Christ is Satan hear this proclamation. I'm baptized into Christ. I've already got the victory. His His righteousness is my own. Right, right. Yeah, I think there's grace also in um, kind of behind what all three of you said uh, that that God does not leave us alone uh, to fight this battle. That He doesn't say, you know, this this is your own problem, a problem of your own making, humankind. So you deal with it. Uh, back to our theme of the day. No, a, a champion is sent and a champion goes willingly to fight for us. Uh, John? Yeah, and I, I love that that Luther quote, and it started me thinking about the uh, the hymn of the day, you know, Mighty Fortress, and and verse three, um, actually, as I was trying to trying to come up with, with the theme I wanted to go with, uh, I think I might steal it from, you know, one little word can fell him, and you know, that, uh, that debate on what is that little word, you know, of course, verse four, uh, you have the capital W word uh, is, is there. Um, but in, in verse three, uh, it's, it's, you know, fourth line, it's, it's a little word. It's uh, probably not talking about Jesus there, but I actually read a quote where uh, um, Luther had said that uh, that word is liar. Um, you know, Satan, you're lying with, with these temptations. And, and uh, I, I maybe, uh, should I jump into my idea for, for a theme and parts? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so, so the, what I'm working with is something along the lines of, you know, 
the word fells him and and then the two parts um would you know the, the first part talking about uh um that it stands written you know the uh, uh that comes up you know he's he's uh he quotes the truth to call out satan's lies in defeating those temptations for us and then uh the, the second part um kind of drawing back and looking at the big picture of our, our champion who is winning for us, the word, capital W, um, that that they still shall that remain. He's the one who wins the victory for us. I haven't wordsmithed it yet, but I think those would be the the two parts under that, um, you know, the, the, the word fells him, the word fells Satan. Um, and uh, yeah, so in that second part then, uh, bringing in everything from the first reading and, and creation um, to the uh, second lesson with um, uh, what that battle we see means for us and, and the victory that Jesus has won for us. Great suggestions. Yeah. Further thoughts on um, either the we're talking about the gospel aspects you bring out in the text, or if you want to jump also to possible theme ideas, kind of bringing things together, um, suggestions that might be helpful to preachers. Joel or Joel, any any further thoughts on that? Um, Joel Russo. Yeah, I, I don't have it really worked out and polished as much much as John did, but I was kind of playing around with the the man does not live on bread alone, and and what does that mean to live on bread alone for the Christian in our daily walk? Um, I kind of wanted to go down that path, but I don't have it really smoothed out yet, so I don't have any anything special, but okay. just the fact that Jesus quotes that of what, what does that look like in our, in our Christian life to, to live on the bread? And I think John's parts actually would work really well for that, <laughs> um, that we have the truth, you know, Satan is a lathophobic. He can't stand the truth. And so we, we have the truth. And of course we have the word capital W. Yeah. Uh, Joel, Joel Hecken. That, that's where I was kind of leaning was like the eternal truth versus eternal or the, the spirit of truth versus, versus the spirit of lies, that truth versus lying contrast would be something I'd, I'd maybe like to uncover a little bit more. Great. Uh, any possible <clears throat> uh, illustration application ideas um, you'd want to share with preachers or some that you're thinking about? Um one that I thought of is, is maybe just an overarching um, thought uh, that I mean, part of the way we apply this text is to say uh, we can still use the word of God to defend against Satan's temptations. Um, but I guess I've learned over the years in preaching this, you know, uh, make sure to highlight Jesus' work in using the word to be our champion, to defeat Satan, go there first as the, the source of gospel, um, you know, maybe can be tempting, especially if you're, you're dealing with certain situations uh, in your congregation, you know, where you, you really want to uh, give people the encouragement, hey, learn the word more, hear it more, use it more, that we can kind of jump to that application. Uh, just an encouragement, don't skip over the gospel of Jesus as our champion, using the word defeating Satan for us, sharing with that, that victory with us. Yeah. Then also us putting the word to use, but uh, any further thoughts for preachers, applications, illustrations, anything, John. 
I, I love the, I mean, we've been talking about it all day. I love the, the picture that the worship plan brings out with the champion and, and what, what a champion was, the one who uh, fought for in place of the, uh, um, the rest of the army, you know, David versus Goliath or Hector versus Achilles, you know, that, that uh, picture of um, what that is. And I think you can, you can very clearly uh, carry that through. Um, so that's probably... I plan on using that illustration and yeah. Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. Always a fitting one and right. The worship plan, the theme kind of brings that out, draws that out a little bit, puts it in front of people. Um, great. Any other uh, thoughts? Uh, just kind of throw it out there. Any, anything that might be uh, useful to preachers or provide them with a little more food for thought on Matthew four. Everybody is Joel Russo. <laughs> I don't know how helpful it is, but I often think if we had a cheer in high school um, in basketball when we were playing a, a rival and we're going to win the game and maybe the other team makes a basket and they're kind of hooting and hollering and we'd often chant the, the word scoreboard as if to say, look at the outcome is we're going to win the game. I don't care if you're, you made a basket at this point, but the outcome's secure. And I think we need to remember that in our Christian lives too, of just, we, we constantly need to check the score of what happened in, in the wilderness here. Uh, Christ walks away from the battlefield as victorious. And because he's our champion, um, we're victorious too. Right, right. Yeah, not only the story of a battle, but the story of a victory that is ours too. Joel Heckendorf? Just maybe some, I don't know if I would use them because you want to kind of stick to this text, but those other pictures of, of being a conqueror throughout scripture, whether it's Romans 8, you know, you have a lot of those same temptations, a lot of those same difficulties of, of you know trials and all these things and then how does it end we are more than conquerors uh through him who loved us and so you could maybe bring romans 8 up there uh just that picture of jesus crushing uh with that lethal blow of you know crushing the devil's head uh that is certainly a picture of a champion someone standing over your your enemy's head and and so I, I think to use that illustration and almost to, to tie in there with Psalm 91 that he quotes, if you just go a little few more verses in Psalm 91, you know, tread the, over the lion and the cobra. Mm -hmm. And, and so that this, this Satan, this snake um, is, he's got a foot crushing on him, and you see, you see Jesus putting that foot down right here in the desert. Absolutely. Yeah. Vivid, vivid pictures there um, provided by the Psalm. And yeah, I like that Romans eight connection too, as applying the victory of Jesus, that is now our victory too. Um, yeah. And that gives us hope, gives us confidence, gives us reassurance when we, you know, when we stumble or feel like we're losing uh, the victory, Jesus one is there for us and it's not going away. Um, we can count on it all the time. All right. Well, uh, let's, wrap it up then for today. I think we've given our preachers a lot to consider as they continue working on Matthew 4. Uh, awesome text. Uh, the victory of Jesus is ours. A champion has come and won for us, and we share in that victory now and always. God bless you, preachers, as you proclaim that victory to God's people.